Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Foreman. Tell it to me straight up. Hello. And welcome to the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, part of the proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network, which also has Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club Podcast, more to it, Hale Var- and the Hale Varsity Radio Show. <laughs> I am Greg Smith, your oatmeal cream pie loving Peloton riding friend. I am Jay Foreman, uh, your steak eating, uh, crab meat eating, and grilling connoisseur uh, here with Greg. That that does sound delicious. Yeah, I'm a straight crabs, man. I haven't had lunch. We out there. Okay. <laughs> now, b- before we get into kind of what this podcast is and, and kind of how it came to be, my day is crazy already. <laughs> already. I had to come in here and I asked Sasha, who is so graciously producing for us today, like, hey, do you smell gas? And I think she thought I was crazy. Um, when I said it, and I, I ran out of gas on the way in here. Mm-hmm. And I ended up on kind of the side of the road by a bank, but I was luckily close to a gas station. Had to walk over there. Of course, they had no gas cans. I had to fill up two 44-ounce cups with gas, walk over to the car, then realize, oh, yeah, it's not the same as when you put a nozzle into the (laughs) gas to do that. So I'm just pouring gas all over the place, so... My day is is interesting. So. You've had a good, uh, quite the adventure. The, well, I'll say this: you don't smell like gas, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> since you smell good, that might be a new type of cologne that you could come out with, it, you know, or something. Uh, if you have a little bit of gas on you, but uh, you know, it, it's funny when you have those type of days. I always, you know, they always talk about the walk of shame. Mm-hmm. That is kind of like your 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 business walk of shame, running out of gas. Walking in there asking for a gas can or, or obviously in your case some cups because it's the it's not only the walk there it's the walk back and it seems like oh it's not that far but once you start walking it because mm-hmm. not a lot of people don't walk now it's a lot farther than you think yeah it was it was really honestly the walk and it was it was not very far at all like it was a strip mall worth of stuff that I had to walk it was a walk back and it did feel like a walk of shame right with gas <laughs> in my hands um, but we welcome in again to the straight up breakdown podcast so this this podcast um, has been a while in the making it feels like it, it, it's only been probably what four or six weeks since we kind of recorded our own little secret episode to kind of test things out um, and see how things went as we've been kind of discussing Jay and I about being able to do this podcast. We've wanted to do something like this together for a long time. Um, We're we're excited to be able to do it and bring it to you guys and bring our take um, and flavor on what you're seeing and and hearing in the world of sports. But a lot has happened in just that little bit of time. I almost wish we could take a whole time. We won't today, but take a whole podcast and just talk about all of the crazy things that have happened looking at you, Big Ten, because uh, <laughs> there's been plenty of stuff out there uh, that's gone on. Yeah, it's it's amazing. If you look at sports in general, you know, they say that like a locker room is a, I guess, a microcosm of the world. But sports is the, you know, soap opera of the world. It's it, There's not a day that goes by that you could Google crazy happenings in any sports is going to be something and it's whether it's in 
in the United States over in Europe, when you think of professional soccer or anything like that, uh, there's, there's tons of goings on on an everyday basis. Uh, actually, almost up to the, to the, uh, the hour mm-hmm. that, that it's really uh, changing. And so if four weeks is a lot of time, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I'm excited to, uh, you know, obviously get on here with you and, uh, you know, see where it goes. Yeah, it'll be fun, and and, and, and it, you know that Jay is a former Husker, can talk about the Huskers. I cover Nebraska football um, as a recruiting analyst over at Hale Varsity uh, Magazine and website, um, and we will get into that plenty as we now have football back. Um, nothing has quite happened yet. It feels like <laughs> since that announcement happened, it just went quiet, right? We've seen All a right. couple of videos um, and a handful of pictures, but until I think it's what Friday when they start when they put the pads on and start hitting, we're going to hear from. Frost and some assistance supposedly this week. Um, so we'll have some more stuff probably on the, all of that next week. Uh, but we will talk about the Huskers, obviously, but we will also talk about just general sports um, and all of the things that are kind of going on in the wild world of sports because, there's just, like you said, there's just so much going on. Coach, speak to real talk. Every week we're going to have a few. We're going to come at you every Wednesday, and every week we will have a couple of segments. Um, and the very first one that we're going to have uh, each week is called Coach Speak. Um, it'll be a mainstay of, of of the show. Um, we'll go over something that a coach, a player, or a talking head um, has said, and we'll give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. Now, the first one is near and dear to my heart because it comes courtesy <laughs> of Chicago Bears, my team, uh, the head coach, Matt Nagy, uh, who said this after benching starting quarterback Mitchell, don't call me Mitch Trubisky, who has just been terrible. Well, he hasn't been terrible. I shouldn't say that. He was terrible mostly, but he was not great yesterday. Uh, but he said, I think that I think what we'll do uh, is we'll go back and just kind of enjoy this one right now, talking about the victory uh, that the Bears had at the comeback win over the Falcons, who let another one go. Um, um, and Nick Foles led them back. And he said, we'll talk to where we're at, and we, we'll think about the best decision moving forward. Honestly, we're not there right now. <laughs> you want to know what he really meant? That's, I, that's what he, I was going. What did he really he, mean when he, he said that? He was, it, from my experience of having conversations and seeing those conversations uh, up close and personal with different players, he is telling you, Mitch or Mitchell, whatever he wants to call himself, is not there. He won't get there, <laughs> and he's it, it, he had hoped he got there, and he finally just pulled the plug. And really, what it meant is. Another one, he said, he said he knew it was time to make the move because he had a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. It's not a gut feeling. He had seen no. that last year, the year before. He saw it all through training camp this year. And that play in particular, that interception that he got pulled on, mm-hmm. is like a no-no. He, he took the snap. He knew where he was going. He stared him down and threw it. That is something that you don't even see in a lot of high school games. And so what the, what a coach is telling you when he's saying these quotes and, and, and saying the one that I read off is that he's saying he knew it was time because the, the improvement on the little basics of playing quarterback is something that he's not able to do right now. Now, will he ever be able to do it? I doubt it. Um, I think that they're trying. He's, he's already moved on. He's trying to find a way to move on from Mitchell Trubisky and not make Ryan Pace, the GM, upset because that – pick is his pick and so then you could see some discord from the head coach and the gm so he's trying to do it in the best way possible lucky enough 
Nick Foles came in there like the the savior that he's always been and plays the best backup role of all time, and he's to, he led him to a victory in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and you know, it's funny you said something. I think you hit something interesting about Ryan Pace and, and how he's tied to uh, Trubisky in this case, and he is. But at the same time, this is where kind of it, pride is something that comes up a lot in sports, comes up a lot in life, right? Um, and this is something where I think the Ryan Pace general manager cannot let pride and ego get in the way. You just have to take victories and good play, how you get it from whoever you get it from that's on your team. You also brought in Nick Foles, right? You signed him. Now, Mitchell Trubisky might have been your quarterback of the future that you thought so much of that you drafted him over Watson and Mahomes. We will never let him forget that. Um, But it happened, right? And so when you then have to make that adjustment, though, and say, hey, if if I'm not going to go down with the ship, because one of the things I guarantee you that Matt Nagy is thinking is I'm not going to get fired behind Mitchell Trubisky like right. that's not I, I don't I don't want to be fired so why should I not then go ahead and pull the plug because it's not just that you know okay we can be okay if we have a different quarterback in there they can be a contender because of how good that defense is how dominant Khalil Mack is and they have other pieces around on that offense too and the main problem that everybody could see was the quarterback right so if, I, if I'm naggy I just couldn't I just can't have that well and, and it, I'll take it even a step further back with with Ryan Pace and I guess Nagy as well they signed Mike Mike Glennon from Tampa mm-hmm. to come in and gave him a ton of money and they also gave Chase Daniels a ton of money at times so their their evalu- their ability to evaluate a good quarterback versus if it's a rookie coming out in the draft or a veteran that needs a better situation has not been up to par. Their defenses over the last four years has always been in the top five, maybe top six, if you look at the average throughout that year. That's Super Bowl type of winning defense. It's not just from a yardage standpoint. It's turnovers, turnovers in the touchdowns. They have all-star players at every single level. And what I mean from the safety, middle linebacker, to the defensive line. Obviously, Khalil Mack is probably, if not the best pass rusher, on the outside, he's one of them. He's dominant in the run and pass game. And then you throw in all the plethora of other guys they have. They have depth on defense and speed and playmakers. And actually, that's made their offense come along a lot faster as far as, as, far as like Allen Robinson and those guys going up against that defense. And when you have a quarterback like that and Trubisky that is always going to be tied to, you know, Patrick Mahomes, which is he's going to probably end up being in a Hall of Fame player. Um, Deshaun Watson, if he – can get a good team around him will probably be end up being on the cusp of all all Hall of Fame career. He's going to probably have you know out of this world stats. It's just going to come down to wins and losses. Mitchell Trubisky is is this day and time. If everything keeps going on this trend, the the NFL version of Sam Bowie. Ooh. when when oh. when he was picked before Michael Jordan, that. <laughs> and that is something that in a lot of ways isn't fair because Sam Bowie went to other teams and actually had a yeah, you know, he was kinda, actually, okay. actually serviceable yeah. and actually turned his career around. Injuries hurt him. Mm-hmm. Trubisky is his, is, his, is his bad play, but he's going to be tied to a Hall of Fame player. And if Patrick Mahomes continues along this path, you know, you get three or four Super Bowls down the road, you know, you know projecting. He's going to be one of the best of all time. Everybody's going to see, wonder why or how or what were you thinking or smoking. Or doing both at the same time Might to draft this guy that didn't even get his fifth year option picked up, and he got drafted number two, and, and you tra- and you traded up to and get you him. traded up to get him, yeah. and he only played one year at North Carolina. Yes, he had good athletic ability, but the tape that Deshaun Watson even even over Patrick Mahomes, right? Because Deshaun Watson beat Alabama, 
took him to the or first of all, he, he as a young quarterback, he took Alabama to the to the I call it the nineteenth hour, right? Mm-hmm. Then they he beat him, and then his senior year, he was he was pretty much unstoppable, right? So his tape playing against the best guys in the best competition was out of this world, and then you took the chance on a guy for whatever reason that had, you know, what what North Carolina won eight games. Eight, if that, if that, I that year, know if it was that. Yeah, and and it's one of those things too. And I want to also hit on this: is, is if you're on that team, so if you you play defense, so if right. you're on that defense and you see what's happening with Trubisky, and you feel like, what is it like? A kind of going into games knowing that hey, we got to be. It always has to be a game. Like right. we cannot bring the B or the B plus level game to win. And then on the other end of that, when you have that shot in the arm from Foles coming in. What is that like, and what kind of mentality or kind of boost of morale can that give your team and your defense? I can speak directly of looking at an offense as from a defensive standpoint and uh, knowing that when we pull up to the stadium, we won't win if we give up more than 17 points. And that was my first two years. Or actually, I, every single year I was down there in Houston, and we had David Carr, and it wasn't all his fault. We had a porous offensive line, porous management as, from, as far as acquiring uh, good veterans and drafting guys. None of them worked out except for Andre Johnson, which was a layup. Um, so I remember, I know that it creates a lot of animosity. Mm-hmm. Then you also, in some ways, you know, you start to question the coach or whoever's making the decisions because everybody knows who, who, why they're playing. Right. Right. And so you, it's not a good position to be in because sooner or later injuries are going to hit your, your one main part of your team, you know, whether it's all at once or periodically, then you know that now you're going to pull up to the stadium without your best unit at full strength, and you're probably most likely going to lose that game. That's not a fun feeling, and it all depends on the quarterback. Now, to your other point of when another quarterback comes in and gives you a shot, at a shot in the arm, I can only think of when I was a younger player playing in Buffalo, and we had paid Rob Johnson a whole bunch of money, and then they put Doug Flutie in the game, and then he kind of took over. But every time Doug got in the game, he took it. He, it was just like Nick Foles. And then he ended up being the starter. But I do remember when Rob went in the game and we went down to Tennessee, there was a feeling that we weren't we we would have to play even better to win. But when Flutie got in the game, took us back, got us the lead, obviously had the music seated miracle. Um, a lot of that loss was pointed to Rob Johnson starting that game. It's not fair. Right. But at the end of the day, we won 10 games with Flutie. Rob Johnson won one, a kind of a scrimmage because everybody was in the playoffs, us and the Colts, and he got to start the playoff game on the road against Tennessee. Then the shot in the arm came when Doug Flutie came in. So that's where I can kind of give some personal knowledge on it. It's not fun. Um, and, and, you know, you're not, when we're talking about this, you're not personally attacking these guys or anything like that. I'm sure Trubisky's a, you know, a, a good good teammate, good guy. But, you know, the funny quote that he had, he's like, it came out of nowhere. Like, where you been? <laughs> he did say that. Like, and I don't like, understand. Like, what do you where mean you been? Well, well, like, did you not watch the tape that we watched the week before when you guys barely beat Detroit? The only reason that you beat Detroit is because Swift dropped that yeah, wide he dropped open. That pass, he dropped man. the wide open touchdown pass. You didn't win the game. Detroit lost the game. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just a, a, a in the moment, you know, uh, off the cuff type of decision that Nagy made. This is something that's been coming for a long time. If they brought Nick Foles in or traded for Nick Foles, I think and brought him in, and you had a competition, the only reason you most likely started is because you were drafted number two. you were the drafted player. Of that GM. So the GM gave the coach the free reign to pull him when it wasn't, you know, going well. And it hadn't been going well for the first three weeks of the season or up to snuff or 
where I say like here's what I here's what I can say and then we can move on. The separation wasn't big enough for him not to get pulled from a high school or below high school type of throw right. in interception on the road and they just looked inept. When he talked about we haven't been able to score in the red zone, we weren't scoring points, he wasn't just talking about against Atlanta. No. Right? He was talking about week two and week one. And mm-hmm. so it's it's something that probably uh, Nick Foles probably should have started uh, from the very get go, but it kind of all all worked itself out, and we'll see how you know how it goes. If I had a, to give Trubisky some advice, I wouldn't worry about it because they always recycle quarterbacks around the league. Yeah, I mean, you can get Blake Bortles just got picked up. Yeah, you can. I saw yeah, his Gabbard. career is not over. <laughs> no. Blaine Gabbard, I saw him on TV sitting next to Tom Brady having the best seat in the house. Not only that, but Nick Foles is injury prone. That too, and so he he's very brittle, and so you know once he once you get back in there, and if you take this time the right way and learn from your mistakes, and really learn from your mistakes, and come out on the better end, everybody's always going to remember how you ended versus how you started, because it's going to be a kind of uh, a story like, oh, look how bad you, you you started the season, got pulled, and then you ended up you could prime, you know you could sneak in there as a wild card with this Bears team, so um, you know they're three and zero. Oh. Um, and I'm sure Nagy knows that this is the time to really try to feast on the NFC Central. Uh, he probably feels real confident with that defense against the against the Packers. Detroit's not very good. The Vikings are horrible. If there's ever a time to kind of, you know, backdoor your way into the NFC Central uh, championship and then possibly, you know, get a home field advantage, which evens that playing field playing in, yeah, in Chicago, yeah. regardless if there's fans or not. Right, that wind you coming off that, uh, win. that wind, <laughs> that wind, that hawk coming off of Lake Michigan, mm-hmm. is is the ultimate uh, equalizer. So I'm sure he's thinking not not only short term but long term. Yeah. Now, now, uh, guys, as we transition away from that, let's break that down. We're talking about kind of Trubisky still writing his story, a guy whose story has been well written, well covered, and documented. It's towards the end now. We got to talk about my man, <laughs> LeBron James. So he went thir- – let me redo this. He went 38 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, triple-double to close out the Nuggets 4-1. He told him before the game that he was going to end it, and he ended it. Um, he's at this point, and we're not even going to argue about this, he's at worst, at worst, the second greatest basketball player to ever touch a ball. But, again, that's not what I want to talk about. We're not going to debate that today. Right. Um, what, I, what I always think about and have been thinking about here over the last couple of days with LeBron, and we won't get into this, is has there ever been or who are some of the other athletes that we can think of that came in with as much hype as LeBron did? Remember he was on with the cover of Sports Illustrated um, as a senior or a junior in high school? Because it was a junior in high school um, where his game started becoming on TV. I remember seeing that. So I think it was his senior year with right. the SI cover as hyped as any athlete we've seen has basically come up through the social media age, which also gives him a little bit of a different vantage point too. But are there any other athletes that come to mind to you uh, for you that really did or are doing what LeBron James did? Because he has lived up to all the hype and then so only people I can really think of, and this is, you know, a couple different sports would be like Wayne Gretzky, um, you know, just coming up and being the next player that's was supposed to be better than Gordy Howe end up being better than Gordy Howe. Um, uh, I would probably tinker around, maybe say Sidney Crosby, but I doubt it. I don't really think that he's kind of, I mean, I know he's reached his potential, but I don't think he's kind of exceeded the hype. I think LeBron has exceeded the hype. The next would maybe be Shaquille, to be honest with you. It's just because, you know, he was like a, he was like a folk hero. He was seven foot. 
He could run. He could do all the stuff. He was kind of like a – remember that, that LSU against uh, Duke? He was running the point. He was doing all that type of stuff. And then he went to the NBA and was destroying Dominant, fools. Yeah. And then he obviously ended up winning championships. I would probably say maybe Shaquille. Football-wise – can I can I give you one football wise yeah. that I thought of right off the top and it was the very first one I thought Peyton Manning. No, so, no, here's why. Okay. No, 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 because he couldn't win the big game. But I'm gonna give you a better football wise though, okay. football guy, Randy Moss. And okay. I'm gonna, here, and here's okay. why. He was from West Virginia and it was and he was saying he was. The, I'm gonna tell you what really makes LeBron and Randy Moss and these guys is because they're not in big cities. They're on off like in the beaten path. Okay. You never think. The best basketball player is going to come from Akron, Ohio. You right. think he's going to come from Chicago, New York, or LA. somewhere, yeah, LA, LA or somewhere, a lot right? Of great players now, yeah. Randy Moss is from Rand, Rand, West Virginia, off the beaten path, and you just always heard about him. Did you heard about Randy Moss? He's six four, runs a four two forty. He went to Florida State. He went to Notre Dame. Ended up at Marshall, and then you finally saw saw him seen on TV. And then you're like, oh well, will he be able to do that against good competition? Then he <laughs> drops in the draft. Right, yep. and then what did he say? I'm going to come in and rip up the league. And what did he proceed to do since the, he, from ripped the, up the he ripped up the league from his rookie year? From his rookie one, year yeah. in every big game, you know, he had the three uh, catches for like 123 against Dallas on Thanksgiving for three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he reset the what a ride what a wide receiver is what. It means to be a receiver and what you're expected to do from the day one that you come into the league. It wasn't – I mean, Jerry Rice, I think, is the best receiver of all, of all time, kind of like Jordan is looking at it because Jerry Rice won all the championships, X, Y, and Z. But you got to think, his first couple years of Jerry Rice, he had a lot of drops or anything. Randy Moss just came right in and was doing work. And then he did it two or three different places. So I would probably say football-wise, uh, Randy Moss. Not to say Peyton Manning didn't, but I think it took Peyton Manning so long. Maybe, to maybe win the big that's game. what it is. And I was, as you were saying, when you said no right away to Peyton and he couldn't win the big one, maybe that is because LeBron from the beginning was, and it was a couple of years, a few years before he went to that first finals. Right. Um, Peyton also struggled a little bit more out of the gate out as of the well. Gate. You know, yeah. All those interceptions early on, people were wondering if he would get over that. Um, that was not necessarily the case with LeBron. And I saw some interesting stuff um, at some point last year that was saying, you know, how long has LeBron actually been the best player in basketball? And has it really been since like his third year in the league? Yeah. Because it's – that's a long time. That's a that's that's a long time, a long and it's time. very quick to go from high school to dominating that fast right away. The only other person, and it's a sport that we have not mentioned yet, um, Serena Williams. Yeah, is the other person because if you remember all of the stuff with Venus as well, and I always say when I talk to people about the, the Williams sisters, I feel bad for Venus Williams because she was great. She's a probably top ten tennis player oh. ever. But nobody ever talks about her because her sister is maybe the best ever, right? Yeah. And so you used to you used to hear all of the stuff about the Williams sisters. You saw the dad Richard kind you of know, bringing HBO, it through yeah. in an HBO special, and you know from Compton and all of that. Um, and I, I would say that seeing Serena and her career, which was great from day one, um, right. is another one in that same category. Yeah, and it's been longevity too. Oh yeah, from uh, whereas, and Venus, whereas tennis, it doesn't happen that it, way. Either. Yeah, it's usually like a four year span with teen, tennis. And Venus, you know, when you when they first were coming up, Serena wasn't supposed to be as good as Venus. Nope. But then as soon as they started to see Serena kind of kind of mature and you saw the power and you saw the speed, um, she kind of quickly surpassed <laughs> surpassed <laughs> Venus. And Venus ran into uh, some injuries and then she you knows she has lupus and stuff. That, so that's hard to be a, you know, obviously world class athlete. But if you j- if Serena didn't come along, 
Venus is no doubt top 10 of all time. Oh, yeah. Now her sister is arguably, if not the best tennis player of all time. And you, and I think Serena's kind of leapfrog just women's tennis. You, when yeah. you just talk about playing tennis and winning championships and being great for so long, you're talking about Roger Federer. You're talking about Serena Williams, and then you can mix in some other guys. I mean, other guys and gals. But I, would, I mean, when you're talking about a whole career, what 22 majors or 20? She's going for 20. Well, she has 24 majors, trying to get 25. Uh, seems to never get over the like the person that she should be, right? They, right. She, she'll be thirteen and one against them, <laughs> and it'll be in like the championship of the U.S. Open, and then and then uh, they'll be they'll beat her. But uh, yeah, Serena Williams probably did live up to the hype, and I think that was all probably in it, it was pre social media, pre type of media exposure. You know what I'm saying? That HBO special was big, but then like five years later, then things just blew up, and that's right. where Serena kind of it was a match made in heaven. You know who I actually just thought of, and and I'm surprised we didn't mention this person. My last one, uh, Tiger Woods. Yes, T- Tiger. Yeah, it's funny too because I feel like these people are a lot of these folks are in the same kind of age range where it was right before social media blew up, which right. is why I give LeBron a different level of credit as well because I think it's different going through it now. Um, than it was even then because Tiger Woods is somebody that you heard of. Like even if you go, like if you go watch the footage of that Masters where he kind of blew up and blew under the scene and lapped the field. Um, if you watch that footage now, that kind of looks grainy to you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you watch yeah. that now, but I think Tiger was somebody that you heard about. Um, had a ton of hype. He was going to be the next big thing in golf, and what he did for golf and kind of made it so inclusive and made everybody want to do it. Man, I got out there with some red shirts and some Nike golf right. balls um, because of Tiger Woods too so I I definitely lived that so I think Tiger is is another one that's definitely on that show yeah I I can't believe I didn't uh, I mean being a big golf fan I didn't think of it I think that you know Tiger's been on TV since he's like been like four years old because he was on like I think the Johnny Carson Mm -hmm. show a couple times and um, so yeah he and he's lived up to the hype um, just because you know he obviously has you know 15 majors trying to go get 18 uh, but from the time that he stepped on that you know when he was a professional when he said hello world he has taken golf by storm. And, and I will say this, even though they have a lot of young guns right now, nobody moves the needle like Tiger, mm. no matter what they do. And those guys know it. And you know what he's done? He's built up golf to where it's a major sport now, a legitimate sport. Kids are actually deciding to play golf because they can see they can play it long term. And actually, if they're good enough, they can make a, a, you know, a good living. But what he's done is he's not only lived up to the hype, he's brought everybody with him. When you think of a guy like Chris DeMarco decides that, you know what, I've made so much money being average yeah. that I can just go around and try to be on TV and, and, and be like a golf analyst now because of Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson will tell you. And he's, yeah. he's, it feel, when you think about Venus Williams, yeah, in, compared to Serena, it's the same correlation between Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. Yeah. If Tiger Woods didn't come along, Phil Mickelson probably had six more majors. Oh, yeah. Then you're and you think of him just as a much bigger deal. Yeah, a bigger deal he than he is now. You wouldn't think that he lost those against Tiger the way that you now think about right. it, which stains his legacy. Sure. Yeah. And, I mean, there's probably a ton of players. VJ Singh probably would have won a couple VJ more. VJ Singh. Freddie um, Couples. Freddie Couples. Yeah, everybody would have won more if Tiger wasn't there. You got to think he had uh, one clip. He was winning 30% of the time he teed it up. So, if he yeah. played 10 terms, he's winning 10. Right. I mean, he's winning three. It's uh, he's pretty uh, impressive, and, he, and these guys and, and gals that we we're talking about with Serena and all them, they have dominated for so long. So long. I mean, it I remember really watching amazing. LeBron's first game when they played Sacramento. Yeah, well, when he had that breakaway dunk, yeah, I can break, picture. I said, it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I remember watching the high school dunk contest when it was all the LeBron hype and he did a dunk and my dad jumped up off the couch. But I'm going to tell you, here's a funny story. The first time I heard about LeBron, one of my best friends, Troy Evans, uh, is from Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Ohio. Um, and, and when he played at Cincinnati and we always talked about basketball, we'd play a little basketball in the off season, and we would just talk about local guys from when, you know, where we were, you know, growing up and stuff like that. I was I was telling him about the story of Sam Jacobson when they were saying that he was the you know white Jordan and stuff like that and from Minneapolis. But he's like, hey, he's like they're talking about this kid named LeBron James back home. And you know Troy went to a big high school and in, you know Cincinnati, you know football and basketball. And I'm like, there ain't no way. They, and he was like, hey, they're saying he's going to be better than Jordan. They're saying this and saying that. Next thing you know, within a year, then you start to see the games on ESPN and you see him play. And man, it was like when you watch him play. He just is different. When he when I've watched him a couple of games, when he runs onto the floor, it's just a guy that's just different. Like when I always tell people, when Andre Johnson walked through the gates of practice, I know that dude's a Hall of Famer. That's just it's just I always say it's a, it was a magical night when his parents started. You know they procreated. It was just like all the <laughs> all the stars lined up, man. It did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and it's just with LeBron James, he's just different. And you know people can argue about you know whether he's first, second, third, or whatever. Um, the main question I would ask somebody. Give me an argument between him and anybody without talking about championships. Yeah. And, and I think I think that is the and it's just the other thing too. So I was talking to a coworker Derek Peterson about this two nights ago, um, when the Lakers closed the series out and is I'm not even as interested anymore, and it'll happen at some point, about the debate, though, about him and where he ranks, if he's one, if he's two, if he's three. But I think that at some point, too, and this gets caught up on social media a lot, people want to argue so much. I can't tweet out uh, a picture of LeBron without somebody talking about Jordan. And it gets to be exhausting because I also want to just grab people and say, man, just appreciate what it is that we're seeing. This is not something that we're going to get to see a lot. If we think about all the excitement around the Jordan documentary, and it was great, right? Like, I, I hope that you realize that what you saw in that documentary, you're seeing that right now right. in and real time and greatness. You are seeing greatness and, and you should just appreciate it. And I hope that people understand that. And I get that he's, I guess, polarizing LeBron is and you get all of this stuff. But I just hope that people appreciate it. But I also wanted to bring this to a local level because obviously in my, my day-to-day job, I cover recruiting uh, for Nebraska. And I was thinking kind of recruits that I've seen that have lived up to the height kind of immediately and and keeping it real recent the first guy I thought it was Wondell Robinson who was a really big deal right. um, during the recruiting process had offers from all over the country um, could have went anywhere came to Nebraska because of the vision that Scott Frost and his staff laid out for him about how they would utilize him and he was very good last year I think better than I think people realize right. um, especially given the injuries that he had over a thousand total yards and a handful of touchdowns do you have a guy that is there a guy that you played with here at Nebraska that you said okay I heard about this guy a lot, and he came in, came in, and he was good or as good as as he was supposed to be right away. I have two. I would probably say number one would be a local guy up here in, in the metro would be Amon Green. Okay, um, just because I think he was a, back then. We had USA Today All American. He was a you know whatever blue chip. You know, you talked about you know his speed on the track, and I was he was big, fast, and strong. And I was he didn't come in to start because he was playing you know behind some great players. But when you saw him play you knew that he was for real. Um, the other guy would probably be Dominic Riola okay. um, from the offensive hard line. Hard to do it as a lineman, too. Hard to do it as a lineman, but he came in. He was he, he was as big as advertised. He was strong as advertised. He was nasty. 
Um, and he can play multiple positions, and he and he fit right in. And he played as a true freshman. Obviously, he ended up leaving early uh, after you know dominating for three years and winning awards and playing a long uh, career in the NFL. So I would say those two just off the top of my head. Um, another one I would probably say is Grant Wistrom because he was a, again a USA Today All American, and he ended up making an impact at Nebraska from the very first time he stepped on the on the field. And you could tell that you know he had obviously he was six five and he had the you know the frame. He was two thirty. And he obviously ended up leaving it obviously a lot bigger and stronger. But you could see everything that was written about him was true. And then every year he continued to get better. And so I would say those three from the time that I played, uh, just off the top of my head, they they matched up. Everything matched up with him on the field and off the field and obviously at the next level as well. Yeah, it's always interesting to kind of see that because, you know, you have there are so many stories. We always talk about the other way, right? The guys right. that you heard about and they came in and it's like, oh, I don't know about this one. Or you knew from jump. Um, so it's always also nice to be able to then talk about the guys that actually went well from them as well. Yeah. And and it's it's interesting just because, you know, as, as, as much as I think about Amon Green or we think about recruiting and you hear about these guys, it's always I wish you could just go back and look at every article and then look at their production or how long they stayed around Nebraska. You know, I'm thinking about guys that have came in this year, um, you know, whether it's, and I always equate it to Juco guys. Cause I always say they're, you know, flip of a, a coin because right. it's so much different going from high school to Juco to come to college where it's very, very structured and you have to deal with a ton of pressure, not only on the field, but then academically um, I, I say it's, it's a, it's a harder transition uh, coming from Juco than coming from high school. I just I just believe that because I think in high school, you know, the, those players are probably coming from a structured environment. They've already kind of hit all the they dotted their eyes and crossed their T's as far as academics and stuff like that most of the time. Uh, but when you go to JUCO, it's kind of you're a free for all. And it's a you just never know if you get a JUCO that really cares about their players to get them to the next level. I think those guys generally make it. Um, but then also sometimes you could be in a JUCO division or in, around a JUCO team that isn't very good or playing against very good competition. And then that step up generally right. isn't it never matches up with the tape that you see when it's tweeted out like right. the huddle tape versus what you see them playing when you and also you're going up and playing against a power five conference power five conference players and coaches uh it's, it's a hard transition but you know the hype train uh i think has gotten a lot you know i would say worse but just a lot more powerful uh it can make or break guys and the hardest thing i think for these guys is not to believe it Right, you to just keep your head just down, keep your and head keep down, and, 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 and keep go going. to work. Go to work. You, you just have to go to work because I always think of it this way. Like, and, and it's it's weird because I have an interesting role in this, um, but you you almost have to ignore all of the good stuff that people are saying about you and how great that you can be. You have to ignore the bad stuff too. Um, and just remember that you have to continue getting better to keep having those right. things said about you. Right. Sure. Um, because that's, the, it's going to go away. I don't care how nice they treated you during the process. Like that stuff will go away quickly if it goes sideways for you once you get to college. Well, they're always trying to recruit with within two years, they're going to recruit somebody to take your position. Right. And so don't think that you're cemented there because what you did in high school, that's just, that was, that was like pregame. Now the game starts. Now you got to really, you got to improve every year. You got to try to reinvent yourself almost every year. You got to continue to work hard and be accountable every year. And I think one of the biggest things that's hurt Nebraska, and this is prior to Scott Frost is the development of players that have came in with, whether it's three stars or four stars or five stars, or even two stars from the, are, are the biggest downfall or one of the biggest downfalls is when you see them as a freshman and they kind of hit the scene and then their new kind of car uh they look the same 
uh, and they haven't improved when they leave the program. They, you know, they, you don't see the physical gains from them. You don't see the performance gains from them. And I'm talking about prior to Scott Frost and those guys. And so hopefully that's one of the things that they're, they're focusing on is taking these kids from, you know, the beginning to the end. And you see a lot of better product by the time they leave. Let's break that down. All right. Now, every week we were going to end the show with a segment to talk about the beginning that we're going to have a couple of segments that are mainstays. Our final segment will be a mainstay and it'll be called Put Them on Blast. It's exactly what it sounds like, right? <laughs> when we basically put somebody on blast for something they did or they said. Uh, my first one, my inaugural <laughs> Put Them on Blast, it's, it's something, man. Deion Sanders, the new head coach at Jackson State. Now, <laughs> full disclosure, I have a little bit of a tie to Jackson State, a lot of bit. My dad went to Jackson State as an undergrad uh, before he got his law degree from DePaul in Chicago. Um, and so, Pop, I, I know you, you're kind of nervous right now that I'm calling out the team because, boy, he is excited. Oh, everybody all is. get out about Deion Sanders being down there as the coach. And I think for good reason. You should be excited. Jackson State, uh, the Tigers have not gotten this much attention in a long time for football, right? <laughs> You usually talk about that sonic boom, the band, which right. came out for his introductory thing when, when Dion came in. But the problem that I have right now, and I just want to give a warning. It's not even a full putting him on blast, but I just want it out there in the world. What do you know about Deion Sanders? You know two things. You know, one, he was one of the greatest cornerbacks to ever play. And two, Deion loves him some Deion. It is right. about him. And so what I'm, I'm just hoping <laughs> that ends up happening here is that Deion Sanders ends up actually caring about this job and developing young men. And, it, and whether or not they win games there, and hopefully they end up getting these four and five stars that, you know, their fans want to get. And I know he offered a bunch of them uh, coming in. And it was kind of cool to see the guys that I've talked to in my job about Nebraska, like tweeting out, hey, I got an offer from Jackson State, like right. prime time, Coach Prime, all this stuff. That stuff was legitimately cool. I was happy to see that. But I just hope that once kind of the flash and the substance wears off, and kind of all of the like the eyeballs and the spotlight from this initial surge wears off that the work is really being done and that he really is about this job and pours himself into it. We'll see. I'm, I'm skeptical, but I hope it works out. I think everybody's going to be a little skeptical just because of Dion's built himself a huge brand mm -hmm. after football. Uh, he, as great as he was as a player, which is probably the best shutdown corner of all time. He's one of the best. NFL and college analysts of all uh, of all time or can, or right now he does the stuff at the combine it's almost like what are you going to do with all the stuff that you've built up to be at at the highest level like you did your playing skills right mm -hmm. now you're taking on a job to being a head coach and and there's a lot of time it takes a commitment you got to sacrifice a lot of things the only thing that makes me feel like he can do it is he spoke about it at the Super Bowl uh, last year. He, he said it, and everybody thought he was joking. But he's also coached a pretty powerful high school in Texas he for did. years, yep. and he sent a lot of kids to college. One, look, he coached Maurice Washington that was here. He you know, So he sent a lot of kids to the next level. He's been through the process recently with all, th well, th well, through, with all three of his sons, You know, Deion Sanders Jr., the one that's at South, uh, South Carolina, and the son now that I think that's going to Florida Atlantic. Um, so he's been through it. So I think he knows what he's getting into. The biggest thing for him that I'd like to see, I know he's going to coach and mentor those kids and make them better people. If he's there one, two, three years, four years, I think is max. What I would like to see for him is have a coach that he's developing to take over Jackson State 
And I'm yeah, not talking about Warren Sapp either. <laughs> no, and I'm not talking about. Sapp Tur- said he was fishing. He right. said he wasn't. He wasn't coaching. Yeah, I'm not. T- I'm not talking about him or Terrell Owens. I'm. I'm talking. I'm talking about Deion Sanders bringing somebody in that he believes in, whether it's somebody he has a prior relationship with or somebody that comes in and earns their stripes to take over Jackson State and continue this hype or and the good vibes and the, hopefully the good play and the the notoriety that he's bringing to. You know, the whole HBCU, because the one thing that people don't understand is Deion Sanders had set up a combine strictly for HBCU uh, student athletes to get into the NFL. But then COVID hit. So he has actually shown that he's kind of been invested before this happened. I don't know if it's part of the deal. I don't know if the NFL sometimes is somehow involved with the whole, you know, the dynamics of the world right now. But I'm hoping that Deion Sanders uh comes in it with the right mindset and with the pure idea of doing, you know, Jackson State and the whole HBCU the, the right thing because I think if he does, it's going to cement him as one of the best people of all time. It would be a legitimately great story. And there are there are like kind of seeds and thoughts that this could go well. Like the stuff yeah. that you laid out is great. Like that that is true. Like and it could be another thing that is very good and positive mm-hmm. that he does. But boy, you can see that other side coming. Yeah, you, like, and so that shit just makes me nervous. Yeah, well, I think that Deion Sanders is somebody when you got to look at him from his personality standpoint. He's he's very unique, though. If you ever got a chance to like like sit down and talk to him, he's never drank, he's never done drugs, but he has that type of personality, he, and he's not as cocky or arrogant as as you think he is when you talk to him off a of camera. Off camera, he literally turns it on. Like if he walked in here, it's Deion time. I mean, it's prime time. But what I think that the only thing that that worries me is getting used to maybe not the, the success that he's used to and everything that he's done. He's in commercials. He's built up his, you know, he's left the NFL network. He's in the bar stools, and those commitments that he has, I'm I'm, I'm assuming in his contract, it, there's a lot of leeway because right. he has that big huge house and compound that he's building in Texas. He he always is, you know, he's always tweeting out about fishing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, you know, you build and put your money into that house. You're not trying to be in Jackson, Mississippi, you know, down there when it's hot in facilities that are probably not as nice as your house. Right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So that's where that's my only pause. But if he can do that and be committed and I don't think the time constraints as far as like, say, like Nebraska and their recruiting is not is not as is is uh, strenuous as it is probably or will be down at Jack. They don't have the budget for it, right? right? right. So I don't think that that will. Be, I think that will be uh, playing well for him. So I think as long as he tries to do uh, the job and do it the right way and set Jackson State up in a better place after he's gone than where it is now, I think it'll be just another feather in his cap or something that that is successful. But it could go the wrong way if he has. Now, if he had Warren Sapp really as his coach, I was like, this ain't going to yeah, work just, out. Yeah, let's just not do that. Yeah, yeah, don't bring Ray Lewis, Warren Sapp, none of them clowns around. Get <laughs> yeah. some true coaches. Um, and he, those guys can come visit, right? Yeah, yeah, they can come, we come don't do need, those aren't the, those yeah. aren't Those aren't the guys that Be you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Those are the guys that you – those aren't the guys, and this is nothing against them, but they those guys aren't the guys that you want to build on your staff because you've seen that kind of go – uh, tank. So I, I think Deion will do well. I'm hoping he does well. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I could see him going the other way. Now we we you got to put somebody on blast. Oh, I, well, I got I got two. So okay. well, I'm going to put on blast. Double dipping. I didn't know we could double dip. Well, I'm, well, they're a tag team. Oh, okay. see, because well, as much as we talked about LeBron, this is when you know you're great. You got guys in free agency tag teaming and trying to diss you and trying to beat you. Okay. So I'm putting Kawhi Leonard and in, in soft quotations. 
playoff Paul George on blast. <laughs> Pandemic okay? P. Pandemic P. And I get it. Look, I'm not making fun of any type of things, the depression that he had going on. I feel it. I've dealt with my own. I'm not that. I'm talking about what you did and what you said prior to all this. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm putting them on blast is because when they came together, Kawhi Leonard turned his nose up at LeBron James and, and being the next great Laker. Yep. Right? Then he, he went to uh, the crosstown rival. And went in there and said, you need to get rid of all these picks and you need to get me Paul George. That's who I want. And we're going to beat LeBron and we're going to win a championship this year. Then he comes out with the commercial saying he's a new his city. It's his city. Yep. And the crown, the king's crown is on, 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 his, on his mirror. And he was the man, right? The claw and all this stuff, right? And just like uh, I think Stephen A. said, like, look, he was like Cyborg. He was supposed to be cold-blooded, right? <laughs> well, then you get in the playoffs and then you come up against the Nuggets Right, and you had your load management. You're supposed to be fresh. We right. need the gel. You, everything's set up for you to overtake the Lakers. You you kind of split with them during the season, and you you know you have your little I call them the little 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 dog Spike Pat Beverly hyping you guys up. It's championships. You're thinking 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 about two, three, four championships before your contracts run out, and then you come up against the Denver Nuggets in Game Seven and have 14 points. They and, had less combined points. Rebounds and assists in their game seven against Denver than LeBron had in the game the other night to close. The exactly, out. and you two were roundabout ways, always throwing shots at the Lakers, always saying that you guys were taking over. It was Clip City, Chip City, and then, all of that stuff where it was like, what was it? Heart over hype, heart, and heart all over hype, stuff. and all that yeah, stuff. All year you were talking junk, talking junk, and then you get out there with your your press conference after you guys then crap the bed. And Paul George says, well, this was not ever about winning a championship this year. This is a long-term process. Hold on, player. You only got two more years. Yeah, because they have the thing that people forgot is that they only signed, what, two plus one. Two plus one. So you actually only have one more year with the player option. Yep. And you guys both did it because you guys think you thought you guys were going to win two championships in a row and then go off and and cash out. Now you lost. Now it's like, oh, we're trying to build chemistry. Well, what have you been doing for 82 games? And what were you doing during training camp? Not the first one, but the second one. Yeah, that that's the thing that's always that always troubled me about that team is we got to this end point where and all of a sudden they didn't have chemistry and the excuse was is they were thrown together, whereas the the and it's always in comparison to the, to the Lakers because that's what this whole thing was about. Sure. The Lakers were even more thrown together than this. Like they brought in Markeith Morris at the end of the year and he looks to be as more of a part of that unit and team than anybody is, is cohesively Smith? to the to right. the Clippers. Yeah, they, it's they just picked a up weird JR thing. Smith they, and then they had then uh Bradley, right? A- Avery Bradley, he he opted out mm-hmm. and he was a big part a of their big or the, part, of, big part of their whole defense and their he was a great he was an ascending player in in their program and he he hadn't been around. So then you had to wait for Rondo to come. You can go through training camp, and he has a he comes out good. Then he breaks his hand or has his hand, and he comes back. Had, then had the back spasm. Then had, had to come back. Then had to come back again. So, if anybody was thrown together, it was the Lakers. Because you got to think, once they got AD, I remember on I was watching the sports show, and they only really had like six players on the contract, right? And then they started picking up Javale McGee. You know, then you know, then they picked up Dwight Howard. Then you know, then they picked up a couple other guys. Then they okay, now they got a roster. But at the end of the day, if you look through one through twelve, the Clippers roster, everybody, everybody's good. They even picked up my man from Detroit, that was a starting point guard. They traded for oh, him, uh, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson. They even had him coming off the bench. 
I mean, it just didn't. But the I think the problem lemon pepper Lou, <laughs> lemon pepper Lou, which we could do an hour on lemon pepper Lou, we would not. Um, but we could do a whole hour on that. Um, but I think part of the problem too was that the speed, Lou Williams, lemon pepper Lou, is a good example of this. Is they had a lot of guys. Um, Montrose Harold is another right. one of these guys where they're like plus bench guys. So what I mean is like they're not like traditional bench guys or others as Shaq likes to call them, right? right? Where they actually feel like they're kind of stars in their own right. And so I think part of that friction though is they're okay with Kawhi Leonard being treated differently because it's Kawhi Leonard, even though Side note, he is not the best player in the world right now. It's still LeBron James. But y'all were hyping him up as that. Y'all, I mean, the people that kept coming to my mentions telling me that that mess. So they're okay with Kawhi being treated like that. We're not going to treat, quote, playoff P so differently. (laughs) If I'm Lemon Pepper Lou, I'm looking at him sideways like, hey, I can get these points that you you supposedly out here getting and not getting. So I understand they would have some different chemistry issues. I think there's some jealousy and some hatred and a little haterade going on on that team too. Yeah, and and plus then I knew they were desperate. This is when I knew the Clippers weren't going to win a championship. You want to know? I knew they weren't going to win a championship. When they had to go to playing dirty against the the oh, Mavericks, against Dallas against Luca, yeah. against Luca, because if Porzingis doesn't get hurt, not that the Clippers lose that series, that goes six or seven games. Yeah. But it let me know about their team chemistry and the level of desperation that that they were that they were in. So I don't know if all off season or during during COVID that they thought it was just a layup and they never really took this Lakers seriously. But I do think that that was the first chink in the armor. Then when I saw them try to uh, talk their way to being tough mm-hmm. in in sports and professional sports, it's either you're tough or you're not. And in the teams, most teams that try to talk like they're tough, most of them don't play that way. And they didn't scare anybody. The, the, the Nuggets weren't scared. No. And they got some dogs on that team. Too, it, and they just play and they just play. And really what happened? Remember, I mean, it, the whole series changed when the quietest guy in the NBA, Paul Millsap, Barked it, jumped up, and, and got it going. So then that let everybody know you didn't went way too far. Right. Then once you went that too far, they said, "You know what? We're going for it. We're going. We're going for the dagger in the heart." Yep. And they just came back from three one and overwhelmed them. And then you hear the excuses. You haven't heard from Pat Beverly, right? Yeah, it's he, weird. He hasn't. He's not talking no more. Right. He was Funny. in the casino and they were in the strip clubs with you know Lemon Pepper Lou, which is also another chink in the armor. Anybody that that leaves the bubble and ends up, I don't care how you got there. Yeah. I've been I've been to funerals where we didn't party to the to the wee yep. hours of the night, right? A celebration. But not once have I ended up in a strip club eating not eating, eating lemon pepper wings. <laughs> no. And I'm no. not gonna end up in a strip club after I leave a bubble which is very restricted and I have a championship in literally in their grafts. Right. Right? It's something that they've never done before. And then you're gonna leave all your teammates there and I'm gonna go have a night at the strip club. Uh, that just let me know that those guys just thought you could get 12 individual players and do what you want. And then we were just that good. We were going to figure it out. Now that worked in, uh, in during the season where, you know, yeah, when you're in a back to back against Charlotte and yeah. that worked, but it, that's what people don't understand when they kind of looked at the records. It's just that the NBA is different when these guys want to really turn it on, they can turn it on, but the great teams play good all year when you think of the Warriors you think about you know the Miami Heat when they were winning you think about Cleveland when they won that championship or even when they lost in the championship they weren't doing some of the things that the Clippers were doing 
They didn't have those type of personalities. I I hate it for Doc Rivers, uh, but it's what he signed up for. But I, you know, I, I'm putting those two on blast. And if they might, they might win it next year. And I'm pretty sure they're open. You know, they're probably trying to rub their little uh, rabbit's foot to the, you know, all as much as they can to hope that the Lakers lose. But at the end of the day, they lost to the Nuggets, and they are the first place losers, and they're I, a bunch of chumps. I like it. That that is a great place <laughs> to leave it. I am very happy. I'll be smiling the rest of the day. Uh, that'll do it for this very first episode of the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can get podcasts. Uh, rate us and leave us a five star review. If you leave us a four star, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and you don't want that. We'll catch you next time.